The information in this podcast is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. It is for informational and educational purposes only. Hi, everybody. I'm Gwendolyn Stork of Stork Family Law, and I'm honored and privileged today to have Jim Smith of Fair Credit Attorneys with me. Hi, Jim. How are you? Hey, Gwen. I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good. So can you tell us a little bit about what services you render and what it is that you do? Sure. Uh, so I'm a generally a consumer protection attorney. Uh, I've been uh, as an attorney helping consumers for the last since 2005. And the last three years or so, I've focused my efforts more on the Fair Credit Reporting Act. So I help people that have errors on their credit reports, whether it's from identity theft issues, mixed file issues, uh, or just flat out objective errors that are on their credit reports, and it's negatively impacting their ability to get credit. Interesting. Well, today we want to talk about credit paralysis. So I first want to start out for the listener to understand that paralysis is something I see across the board. So I practice in the area of family law. And what I will tell you is, is that time and time again, we find that people are in a state of paralysis. They don't know where to start. And they don't even know the first step to take to start addressing the needs of their family. They think that maybe they should go one route and maybe they start to see a counselor, but they're not dealing with any of the financial implications or what's really happening in their case. Or maybe they get served with a petition for dissolution of marriage and they're just paralyzed. They don't know where to start and where to turn. So what we wanted to do in this program is understand that that also happens to people with regard to their credit and try to unpeel that for everyone. So that if you thought of your paralysis process as like an onion, I always say we have to unpeel that onion in order to get to the good parts to be able to enjoy the onion. Now, if you don't like onions, I get that's a problem, but just think of it with us in concept. Maybe it's unpeeling a banana, but it's something that you can get to and you can get to the root of the issue and deal with it. So Jim, I wanted to start out today by asking you to give us two different scenarios. The first scenario I would ask you to give us is an example of someone who is simply a train wreck and doesn't even know they're so paralyzed. What do they do? Sure. So I, I see that a lot. Um, and it's the most common scenario is somebody who filed bankruptcy. Um, they, they file bankruptcy. They feel like they've you know, failed in some way. Um, they think that their credit is terrible. They have this understanding that their credit will never be good again. Uh, so after they are successfully discharged from bankruptcy, they just kind of, from a credit perspective, ignore it. They bury it. They don't think about it. They just, you know, they don't want to deal with it. And then <clears throat> the reality is, from my talks with lenders, is really a year post-bankruptcy, you can start getting real real loans. Um, so you have all the incentive in the world to just to kind of make sure that your credit is reporting correctly. And I say that particularly the bankruptcy issue is a, is a great one to use because for whatever reasons, if somebody who's gone through a bankruptcy on the back end after it's successfully discharged, they, in my experience, have a higher percentage of errors included on their report. So for example, they may be included a um, something like a Home Depot credit card in their bankruptcy. They had a $10,000 balance and now they successfully discharge it. So it should say $0 balance, like zero balance, successful or discharged through bankruptcy. But their credit report still says there's a $10,000 balance. 
Um, and they, they didn't know it because they kind of buried their head in the sand and didn't look at their credit for two years. So they go and they hear, okay, I can get a loan because it's been two years since my bankruptcy and they get in touch with the lender and the lender says, well, yeah, all of that's great, all these $0 balances, but what's going on with this Home Depot credit card? It says you owe $10,000. And uh, they say, well, no, I don't. I, that was included in my bankruptcy. I can prove it. And now you're two years past um, your bankruptcy. You're ready in, to go with a loan, but now you're kind of, you got to deal with this issue. And if you would have kept on it and looked at it shortly after your bankruptcy was discharged, you could have addressed it as an issue a year and a half earlier, and you'd be, you'd be off to the races. Um, so that's, that's really the most common uh, issue I see as far as credit paralysis goes, is post-bankruptcy discharge. Uh, people uh, have a tendency to, to think poorly about themselves and they just don't want to look at it. Like, it's, like you said, like a train wreck. That's, that's almost how they feel about it. Yeah. But the reality is it's worth looking at. It's not as bad as you think. And to the extent that there are errors, you, you can fix them. Give me some example on the flip side of it is what does it look like for somebody who really does it the right way? Sure. So doing it the right way, um, a lot of things are going well for you. And one is uh, if there's, uh, this is a terrible life scenario, but a, a client of ours had a husband who opened up two credit cards in her name without her permission. Uh, she left every day to go to work. He stayed home. He opened up two credit cards. She didn't know about it. He racked up um, thousands of dollars in debt on both credit cards. He had some sort of uh, addiction-related issues. So he was hiding all of this from her and sure. doing a good job of it. She didn't know about it. Um, he then passes away, and she learns about this credit card debt for the first time. And rather than sort of burying her head and not dealing with it because she didn't even know what to start thinking about, her and her dad started within 30 days or so getting in touch with the credit card companies finding out what's going on. And because they started so early, they protected themselves. As, as soon as she learned about it, pretty much, she sent disputes to the credit card company saying, this isn't mine. I didn't open it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what was going on, but it's not mine. I didn't incur any of these fees, et cetera. And the credit card companies ignored her and said, no, it's your debt. It's your debt. It's your debt. Um, so then she ultimately, after trying many times with the credit card company, got in touch with me. I had her put together some dispute letters. She sent the dispute letters to the credit card company or to the credit reporting agencies, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. And they investigated those disputes. They fixed one of them, but they didn't fix all of them. Okay. So she still had these errors. And um, we filed a lawsuit, a Fair Credit Reporting Act lawsuit against the, the, the bureaus and the credit card company that didn't fix the issue. And within... I don't know, two months of the litigation, we resolved all of her claims. And as of today, her credit report is completely error-free and she doesn't owe any bad debt, uh, meaning the debt that she didn't incur. So the only reason she was able to sort of get that sort of result was because they started dealing with it right away, uh, which is, you know, in most life situations, dealing with the problem right away is, is half the battle. And, and part of credit paralysis is you don't know if there's a, a problem to deal with if you're not even looking. So you should right. you know, take a look at it and just see, is there, is there something I need to deal with? Hopefully not. Uh, but if there is, you, you need to deal with it as soon as you can. Right. You know, and I think that's true. Uh, that's why people should be running their credit reports every six months to 12 months to be able to look at their credit and see what's going on. 
whether or not you're married or not in a good relationship or not, it's just something that everybody should do. Would that be a true statement? Yes, 100%. And then if there's a problem, know that you have somebody that you can call. And I think that that's part of that paralysis process because, you know, at our firm, we have a resource center and we know that we can't solve everybody's problems, but we know that it takes a village to do that. We practice family law, but we don't practice fair credit. So having that team and knowing where to start. So that's the purpose of us doing these podcasts is so that individuals can know that if you're not able to cure the problem themselves, they can reach out to you. You can help them write those letters, as you indicated, and file an ultimate lawsuit if they have to. I want to change the scenario a little bit and ask you about this person. So this person is somebody who's now maybe in their late 20s. In their early life, they ran up credit cards in college and they took every offer that came in the mail that they got bombarded with. They thought they were the really cool kid on the block. And, you know, all this credit information was coming and they found themselves into trouble. And I had one the other day and they said, we're $130,000 in credit card debt Hmm. um, just because the credit just came in. And somebody is so ashamed. And that's really a word. They shouldn't be ashamed. They just need to deal with it but between shame, guilt, and all the other emotions, they don't even know where to start. So you talked about bankruptcy as a potential option. What is it that that person should be doing as their first step? They're embarrassed, frankly. Yeah, I mean, the first step is to review the credit reports, make sure they know what, make sure they understand what's on there, make sure that the stuff that's on there is correct and is actually theirs and is reporting correctly. Uh, so that's really the first step, like you said, is, is, is look at it. And if they're ashamed, at least they know what they're ashamed of. Uh, They shouldn't be, but at least they now know. They can draw sort of an objective circle around what's the problem. And then from that point forward, if everything is reporting correctly and there's just a lot going on, then they should consult probably with a bankruptcy attorney to see uh, if that's the right choice for them. And one of the things I've learned through this practice is that if that's the situation they're in, filing a bankruptcy, that's not something that they should be ashamed of. Um, that they, That's an opportunity uh, for them potentially to take advantage of and get this clean slate. And it's going to, you know, it's going to cost some money to do the bankruptcy. And then it'll, their credit will take a hit for a little while, but it's just a little while. Uh, every year post discharge, your credit gets better and better and better. And as I understand it, only one year after a bankruptcy discharge, you can start getting a loan on a mortgage. Um, so it's it's not a forever decision to do that, um, but it's certainly something that they should you know consult with a bankruptcy attorney to see if it's a, a good choice for them. Right, and then you know if we change that hypothetical once again, and maybe it's not so bad. It's not that one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in debt, but maybe there's you know twenty thousand dollars in credit card debt, but maybe you know when they became an authorized user on somebody else's card. They didn't know they were a joint account holder with somebody else. These are things that they can clean up. So no matter what that number is, there's different remedies for them. Is that true? That is true. Yeah. So, and the authorized user is a good one because that's something that we've been successful in getting those things removed uh, from the credit reports. Because even though if it's technically accurate, it's misleading to potential creditors. And in Illinois, it's our position shouldn't be there. Uh, So there's certain things on there that they might think is just the way it is. And we could take a look at it and say, you know, that's, you know, incorrect or misleading and that probably shouldn't be there. Let's try to get it removed. And if we can get those things removed, um, the score will go, will increase. Right. 
And then, you know, contacting somebody like you, if it's not going to be possible to change it, they incurred the debt, they're liable for it. You're going to tell them it is what it is. It's on your report, either figure out a way to pay it or here's your other options, right? Correct. Yeah, there, absolutely. There's, we can't um, create errors. You know, they have to be objective. They have to be there. Uh, sometimes, like I said, they can be correct, but misleading. And, you know, those maybe shouldn't be there either. Um, but if, if they're, if, if they're real and they're, Mm -hmm. objective and true, then you owe them and you have to figure out a way to deal with it. Yeah. Right. You know, and I always say to people that, and to myself, I don't know about you, but I always have that project that's, you know, I have one today. I can tell you, I'm obviously not going to mention what it is, but it's gnawing at me. But you know, when I open it up and I get that project done, it probably will take me 20 minutes. Yeah. It's just something that we put to the side to do. I find that with either credit or family law matters, people just put it to the side and they don't want to deal with it. So it sounds to me like what you're telling me is that this is not as much of a burden as we anticipate. It's something we have to deal with objectively. Is that true? Yeah. And and really, I mean, once you might need some direction on where to go, um, you know, how to find your credit reports. But once you do that and you look at it, I mean, really within 20 minutes, if you're taking a long time to get through it, you should be able to get through it and understand everything that's on there. Uh, and the 20 minutes could save you lots of money and lots of time and aggravation down the road. Right. And I think with that objective word, you know, we talked about it earlier is, you know, you've got all that guilt, shame, whatever that is. You got to separate those emotional issues from these financial matters and actually legal matters to some extent, because you can't handle them in an emotional vacuum because you'll never get it done. That's the essence of the paralysis. So really digging out and starting with, this is what I'm going to do today and really assigning that task. So if somebody's saying, okay, I'm listening, what's my first step? What would you tell them to do? Uh, The first step to me would be to go to annualcreditreport.com. And you can access your Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion credit reports for free. And you can do it, as of right now, you can do it once per week. And it's a, it's a good reflection of what your credit reports uh, indicate. So if there's something on there that needs to be dealt with directly with the credit bureaus, you can rely on that information and then send them letters to dispute them. Um, so step one would be go to annualcreditreport.com, access it for free. It's also a soft pull, so it doesn't hurt your credit score in any way. And that would be the best way to sort of draw a circle around what's on your credit. And then depending on what's on there is how you help influence your next decision. Um, if you think that there's an error or something wrong, you give me a call. If, if everything looks correct and accurate um, and there's just a lot of debt there, um, you know, maybe you call somebody else. Right. You can look at somebody that might consolidate or bankruptcy, and we're not suggesting any one or the other, but there are options that you would have. But if you do find those errors on the credit report or you're concerned that it is an error, that's where you would come in, correct? Right. Exactly. Very well. And so how would somebody reach out to you? And let's say they did step one. They think there's something wrong with the credit report. What's step two for them to contact you? How would they do that? Uh, there's three ways they can get in touch with me. Uh, our website, faircreditattorneys.com, and they can message me that way. Uh, my email is jim, J-I-M, at faircreditattorneys.com. Uh, they can send me an email or they can um, call me at 708-645-8824. Very good. You know, our motto at our office is empower yourself with options. 
And it's my belief that whether it be a health related matter, whether it be a family related matter, whether it be credit, any kind of legal matter that you have, all areas of life, we have options and we have choices. I think the most important thing that somebody can do is really to get that empowerment by understanding what those options are and choosing to do one, because it's really that first step. So if you're out there today and you're wondering where to get started, it seems like it could take 15 minutes to get your order your credit reports. That's step one. Number Step two, when you get them, review them. If they're an error, dispute them. If you got an error and you don't know what to do, you're going to call Jim. If it's just that you're in so much debt, you're going to look at what options you might have available in that event. So there are steps that can be made. And I always talk about litigation this way, but sometimes I also think life is this way. It's like a chess game. You know, you're on one side and life's on the other. And what life throws you or whatever piece that gets moved to, you have to respond to it and you have to deal with it and move your piece. But we have to get past that concept of this paralysis. Anything else you want to add, Jim, today? No, I think this, this was great. I hope we uh, helped answer some questions out there. Very good. Well, thanks for your time today. We truly appreciate it. Thank you, Gwen. To learn more or to connect with Stirk Family Law Group or Gwendolyn J. Stirk, call 815-600-8950 or visit stirkfamilylaw.com. The information in this podcast is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. It is for informational and educational purposes only. Uh-huh.